Well, good morning. We're in part 12 of our Reflecting the Light series, and we're so excited that you're here with us, that you're joining us on this journey. I hope that as you've been with us since the beginning of 2022, that you would have, that you've seen how God has moved us towards leading like Jesus, reflecting that light. John 1 tells us that Jesus is the light of the world. And we called this series Reflecting the Light because our job as disciples is to reflect Jesus, to live and act the way He did. And so we're trying to learn about Jesus. We're trying to understand the heart of God so that we can be better followers, so that we can be better disciples that go out and make disciples. Did you know that our job is to make disciples? We're to draw people to Him. We're to reflect Him and show people who He is by the way we live, the things we do, the things we say. And so that's what this whole series is about. And I hope that you're joining us on this journey. We need you to join us on this journey. Who knows what God's going to do through you and your testimony. And if you're a visitor and this is your first time with us, or maybe you're watching this on YouTube some months later, man, God has great things for you. He wants you you to be a part of this journey, to be a disciple maker. And that's a big deal, that we are a part of God's plan for the salvation of this world. So I want to encourage you in that this world is living in darkness and Jesus is that light and we're reflecting that light. Today we're in chapter 5 of John, this series we're learning about Jesus through the book of John. We'll reference some other parts of the Bible as we go through this, but we're focusing on the book of John. And over the last few weeks, we've seen Jesus do some healings. Specifically, some of those healings have happened like this lame man who was laying at this pool. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And we, we learned last week about the Sabbath, that it was God's rest for us, that He gave us a day of rest, that six days were to work, and on the seventh they were to rest and keep it holy. And we talked about last week how the Jews looked at the Sabbath and what was important and how the Pharisees at that time had made it kind of legalistic. They had kind of put their own rules in there and made it really difficult because Jesus healed on the Sabbath and they're like, what are you doing? In some of the other stories in the New Testament, the Pharisees actually said, hey, if you need to be healed, you've got six days a week to be healed, but not on the Sabbath. And that just didn't make sense because the heart of God is to touch people and Keeping the Sabbath holy is when we are about God's business on that day. If God wants to heal on the Sabbath, let Him heal. And that's what Jesus was showing. He's showing that it's about following the heart of God, about having rest in our lives, but honoring God with our lives. And so we're going to kind of pick up with this. And the Pharisees were really upset with Jesus. There was a few things that He said, and that's what we're going to pick up in John. Chapter 5, verses six, verse 16, we're going to read a, a rather lengthy passage. And what you have to understand is the Jewish leaders did not realize that Jesus was the Messiah. Some were starting to suspect because of some of the things he was doing, the healings, the things that he said. But some of those that were about legalism and power, they saw Jesus as a threat. And so they didn't view him through that same light. And Jesus is kind of sharing with them in this next passage. It's kind of one of the few times that Jesus defends his actions. That he gives a picture. He really gives a full picture of who he is and his interaction with God the Father. And that's where we want to pick up today. 
So I want you to look at verse 16, and we're going to go all the way down to 30 right now. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, my father is always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him, for he not only broke the Sabbath, he also called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. That's an important thing right there because, again, they did not view him as the Messiah. And he's saying, look, I don't have an earthly father. Joseph isn't my earthly father, but my father is God in heaven. Remember, he was virgin born. They would not have really known that. This wasn't fully revealed to them at this point. So they felt like he was blaspheming. Like, look, he, he, this guy's putting himself on the same level as God. And it, instead of realizing who he is, they're getting really worked up. So look at verse 19. So he explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, so the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he's doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. For just as the father gives life to those he raises from the dead... So the Son gives life to anyone He wants. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, He gives the Son absolute authority to judge, so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent Him. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death to life. And I assure you that a time is coming, indeed it is here now, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. The Father has life in Himself and has granted that same life-giving power to the Son. And He has given Him authority to judge everyone because He is the Son of Man." Don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me not my own will. Man, what a passage of Scripture. This is one of the few places in Scripture where we see the relationship between Jesus, the Son of God, and God the Father. We see it very clearly. And I titled this message, titled this message, The Son Reflects the Father, because that's what's happening. Jesus is saying, look... I don't do anything except what I see my Father doing. Remember, Jesus is fully God and fully man, and I know it's so hard to understand the Trinity. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We're not even going to get to the Holy Spirit today until the end. We're not going to spend a lot of time there, but it can be confusing. They're three in one, three separate personalities, but Jesus, God's Son, God in man form, fully man, fully human, at this point, he's doing what he sees the Father doing. He's a reflection of the Father. So our first point today is Jesus, a reflection of the Father. 
Remember I said Jesus dropped this bomb on the, the Pharisees. He knew what was going to happen. He said, look, I only do what I see my father doing. He knew what response the Pharisees would have. And he did that intentionally, not to make them mad, but to show who he is. And hopefully open their eyes to who he is. To break down their legalism and to see the heart of God. That's what all of this was about. To break down the legalism, the rules and regulations that were man-made, not from God. We had the Ten Commandments. We had the greatest commandments. But all of these things that, that, the, that the Pharisees and other leaders had put in place that were holding people back, that were a burden to the people... And Jesus is tearing those things down because he's trying to bring us freedom. Not only freedom from our sin, but freedom from the oppression and the weight that comes on us by man-made rules that don't really have the heart of God behind them. They were made with good intentions at times, and some of them were made just for power. But Jesus is trying to tear those things down. So the Son is a reflection of the Father. Look at verse 19 again. It says, So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. Since the fall of man, since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God has had a plan to bring man back into relationship with him. If you read those first interactions in Genesis, Adam walked in perfect conversation with God. He didn't have to go to prayer. God walked with him. He talked with them. It was a perfect situation in the garden until sin entered in. And it separated God and man. It built a chasm there. And from that moment on, God has been working to, to restore that relationship with man. To bring all mankind into relationship with Him. That's the ultimate goal. He longs to be in relationship with His creation. That is why he sent Jesus, his son, who reflects him to show us how to live, to show us what it means to follow him. That's the whole point of all of this. Remember John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. That's the whole point. That's the big picture that we're to reflect Jesus. Sometimes we get so caught up in and all of these rules and getting all of these things just perfectly right and I have to do this and this and this and it's really we, we create burdens when God just really wants us to have relationship and out of our relationship out of our passion for him will come the desire to do the things that draw us closer to him through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives the Father is working to bring us in a right relationship so what things did, and we, we can learn a lot about this relationship in this passage, but what things did Jesus point out that God has given him the authority over as fully man walking on this earth and being fully God as well? The first thing is healing. He gave Jesus the ability to heal, to heal the hurting. If you look at verse 20, it says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. Remember, he had just healed this man who had been ill for 38 years, lame for 38 years. He told him to get up and walk, and that was where this conflict began because the Pharisees were upset it was on the Sabbath that he told this man to carry his mat, which 
for them, that was work. You couldn't carry your mat on the Sabbath. And so you have this time, and he gave Jesus the authority to heal. And throughout the New Testament, throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus healing people. We'd actually covered several of those stories in the last few weeks. There were three recorded in the book of John, and there are more in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where Jesus healed people. God had given the Son the ability to heal. That was one of the reflections of the Father on the Son was this ability to heal. And it says that it even will be that, that God's going to give him even more power that will truly astound the people. And that's and really he's foreshadowing to what happens on the cross. Jesus was given that authority, and we see it used all the time. The second one was to raise the dead. I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this, but in verse 21. It says, For just as the Father gives life to those He raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone He wants. To raise the dead, I know that's kind of fantastic idea, and, and no, this isn't some kind of zombie type thing. You know, they're not people coming out of the graves to come and, you know, hack you up or eat your brains or whatever any of that stuff is. Never been big on zombie movies. But... To raise this dead, this is a twofold work. And, and, and what I mean by that is there's two different ways to look at the raising of dead. And I think it's represented in this passage, and I'll show you what I mean in just a second. So the first is going to give life to those who are spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. This is tr a true redemptive, the true redemptive work of Jesus is to redeem those who are spiritually dead. Do you know that? Those that do not have relationship with Jesus, those that don't have their sins forgiven are spiritually dead. You know, when Jesus told Nicodemus to be born again, it's a spiritual rebirth. That's why we use the term born again. It's, it's not a physical going back into the womb. It's a spiritual birth. And when we, we come to Jesus and we put our trust in him, he forgives our sins. We are rebirthed spiritually. And Jesus came to raise those that are spiritually dead, to give them new life. See, that spiritual rebirth, look at, when you think about it, that's the most amazing healing process that we have in this life. It's, it's healing and it's rebirth. Those things are wrapped up in Jesus. That's the primary purpose of why he came. To raise those of us that are spiritually dead, to heal our souls for all eternity. Because our souls are torn up by sin and the things that weigh us down in this life. So the first raising of life is a spiritual one. The second is actually a physical one. And this is shown to us not only in the Old Testament, but also, or not only just in the New Testament, but also in the Old Testament, we, we get this idea of a physical raising of the dead when Jesus comes again. Look at verse 28 and into 29, the first part. Don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Do you get that? Don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. That time is coming. It's the end 
of time when he calls out the trumpet's blast and he calls everybody out. Look, Daniel 2.2. This is Old Testament. Daniel had a lot of prophecy and foretold the future a lot in his writing. And Daniel 2.2 says, Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. That's, again, foretelling what's going to happen when Jesus comes again, when that trumpet's blown. And then 1 Corinthians 15, 52, it says, It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. Paul is talking about this. When that trumpet is blown, we who have died will be raised to new life, to life forever. And we who are living will be transformed because these bodies... Even though they're going to be raised, they're going to be transformed into heavenly bodies. This isn't permanent. Man, think of the aches and pains that you have right now. Those are going to be gone. No more pain, no more sorrow. That's what this is all about. There are many scriptures in both the Old and New Testaments that speak to this. Jesus has been given the power and authority to raise the dead, the spiritual dead and the physical dead. Both physical death, and spiritual death. So he has the power to heal. He has the power to raise. And he has the power to judge. Get this, man. The power to judge. Verse 22, in addition, the the Father judges no one. Instead, he's given the Son absolute authority to judge. Jesus is the only truly righteous human being that's ever walked the earth. He was born of a virgin, free of sin, He never sinned. That's pretty amazing when you think about it. Even as a young child, even as a teenager, he never sinned. He was sinless. That's why he could die on a cross for our sins. He was the sinless sacrifice. He was the truly the only righteous person. So Jesus is the enactment of God's will for humankind. He's the enactment of the will of the Father for all of mankind, that Jesus came to die on a cross to bring us into right relationship with Him, the sinless man. And so that gave Him, and and God gave Him the right to judge, that He is the one person that could judge those. Look, verses 25 through 30 again, it says, And I assure you that a time is coming, indeed it is here now, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. The Father has life in Himself, and He has granted that same life-giving power to His Son, and He has given Him the authority to judge everyone because He is the Son of Man. Don't be surprised, indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of the Son of God, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise and experience eternal life, and those who have Continued and evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Again, he's talking about this judgment. He's given the authority to judge. He knows the heart and will of God, and he judges according to that. But he has that right to judge because he was fully man. God doesn't judge us while sitting up on some throne and never experiencing what we experienced. 
He judges us because He became fully man and lived and experienced what we did. He was tempted in every way, and yet He was sin-free. Who better to judge? Who has more authority and what right to judge than Jesus? He was given that authority by the Father. He lived that perfect and sinless life. Look at verse 24 again. It says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me will have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. That's the ultimate goal, right? That when we put our faith in God through Jesus, that our sins won't be counted against us and we will have eternal life. As believers, we need to accept that free gift. As believers, we need to join in on that. Thus, we are called to reflect the Son. Just as the Son reflects the Father, we are to reflect the Son. We are to help others come into that gift of free life. So, pause right here for just a second. If you're watching this and you have not put your faith in Jesus, if you've not given God your heart in that way and put your trust in Him, this is the time to do it because the results of that is forgiveness for sin, forgiveness for all that stuff, no more shame. No more sorrow. And I know we've done some pretty terrible things at times. And maybe you've lived a pretty decent life, but can you tell me you're sin-free? Can you tell me you've never sinned against God or anyone else? You've never lied to anyone? See, we all fall short. Paul tells us that in Romans, that we all fall short of God's glorious standard. But the beauty is he gave us Jesus, and that's where this moment is. And then he calls us to help others along that journey. And that's our job. We are to, and this is the second part, the last part of this message, to reflect the Son or reflecting the Son. Just as the Son reflects what the Father is doing, we need to reflect what the Son is doing. Because we're a reflection of Him. That light. That's why we're studying the book of John. Jesus' number one priority was to do the will of the Father. So what should our number one priority be? To do the will of the Father, to follow Jesus and do the will of the Father. We want to live in His will. We want to follow Him. And His will is for all mankind to be redeemed. Remember the greatest commandment, Matthew 22, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. It says that all other commandments hang on those two things. Love God, love others. When you do that, if you're loving God in such a way that you reflect His light, and then you love others the way God loves you, eventually those two are going to come together and people are going to know who Jesus is because of you and through you. In order for us to do this, in order for us to live this out, we've got to be connected to the Father. That, that means more than just watching a video on church once a week. That means more than just showing up to a few events. That means allowing God into every area of your life to break down those walls, to spend time with Him. The first place we do that is in prayer and through His Word. Reading your Bible on a regular basis, daily if possible. Now, I'm not going to say I've, I read my Bible every day. I do the majority of days. There are some days that I don't. 
I do the majority of days. I'd lie to you if I said it, I did it every day. But I'm going to tell you what, I miss it on the days that I don't. It's where I learn about God. It's where I learn the exciting thing. Man, we were at our, our men's small group at Honeysuckle last week, and we were talking through the story of Esther and all the, the different things that happened in that, and there was life giving out of that story. We don't know that if we don't read God's Word. We don't know that if we don't study the depth of the Word that's there. And then spend time with Him in prayer. It's, it's one thing to study, but then spend time with Him. Have interaction with God. Pray with Him. And prayer is more than just talking to God. It's also listening, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into your life. And the more you do that, the more you learn His voice, the more you understand and hear Him. So in order for us to hear the heart of the Father, we have to spend time with Him. We have to allow Him to give us direction in His life. We cannot reflect someone we don't spend time with. I relate it this way. Um, take, take some kids in school. They start hanging out together. And you, and, and you watch these kids and they, they start hanging out and they begin to look and act like the people that they hang out with because they begin to reflect that group that they're in. Or some of you know I worked in foster care for, for several years. And part of that was having children that were placed in homes for a period of time that were not their biological parents. Sometimes those went on to adoption and had the opportunity to be a part of a few of those things. But here's the one thing that, that I did learn. That the longer a child stayed in a home, no matter what their upbringing was, no matter what happened, it did, they began to reflect they began to reflect the, the, their new parents or their guardians that they were with. They spent time with them, and especially those that went on to adoption. Some of them came out of some very difficult situations. And I watched some kids, and I still have contact with some of them. Uh, we were on vacation just a couple months ago and got to spend half a day at Epcot with a, with a young lady that I helped get adopted into some fam to a family. They're friends of ours, and, and we got to spend time with her. She works at Epcot now. And... and you saw the reflection of her, of the parents that she grew up with, her adoptive parents, in the way that she lived and the things that she said and the things that she did. She began to reflect them. That's what we're doing. When we spend time with God, the more time we spend with Him, the more we reflect Him. The more we love the things He loves, the more we're about the things that, he, that are important to Him because we know Him. And we know who He is. That's the important part. It's not just about coming to church. It's not just about going to all the events. It's about truly getting to know Him. Now, here's the key to all of this. And we, if you if you've spend time with us, you know that God has another aspect to Him. You have God the Father, you have God the Son, and you have God the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus left, after he died and rose again and he ascended into heaven, it said he sent the Holy Spirit to us to help us, to live in us, to get us through this. And so the Holy Spirit is the key to this for us to be able to live and follow God on a daily basis, to know his voice, to know his will. The Holy Spirit develops fruit inside of us. I want you to read this as a passage we've read a lot, but it's Galatians 5, um, verses 22 and 23. Listen to this. It says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, 
faithfulness and self-control. There is no law against these things. And yes, I know I read one of those out of order, but that's okay. Think about that list. It says there's no law against these things. If those things are being developed, if we allow God to cultivate that in our lives, we will reflect Him more and more. We will know Him more and more. We've got to connect ourselves to the Holy Spirit on a daily basis to allow His fruit to grow inside of us. That's how we become a reflection of Him. There's one final point. Because again, we're to be about doing the things of God. He gave us one more thing. He gave us the gifts of the Spirit to do that. I don't believe that the gifts were just for that time period. I believe they're still active today. And if you look at 1 Corinthians 12, I want to look at verses 4 through 11 to talk about this. It says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we have the same Lord. God works in different ways but it is the same God who works in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Again, these spiritual gifts are given so we can help each other. To one person, he gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives some the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. To still another, the ability to speak in unknown languages. While another, he's given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts, and He alone decides which gifts each person should have. That same Spirit is working inside of us. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead has been given to us. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When we learn to connect to the Holy Spirit in our lives and allow Him to work in us, to give Him the freedom to work in our lives, we will connect to the will of God like never before. And we will reflect Him in ways we never dreamed possible. It's pretty amazing, right? Our job is to reflect Him. Our job is to reflect Him. That's what I want for you today. So the question is, what are you going to do with this? My job is to give you the information. My job is to help you to learn how to do this, but it's your job to do it. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to take the time today to allow the Holy Spirit in, to get to know the Father deeper, to learn the will of God, And then when you go throughout your week, reflect Him. That's what God wants for you today. So let's pray together. And if you don't have a relationship with Him, man, ask Him to come in today. Ask Him to fill you with that Spirit so that you too can be a reflection of the Son who is a reflection of the Father. Let's pray together. Father, we come before You. We're humbled that You chose us to share your word. That you choose to live among us, that you choose to redeem us, to give us eternal life. Lord, I pray today that we would grow to look and act more and more like you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit today, I pray. Help us to reflect you everywhere that we go. Lord, we wanna do your will We want to follow you. We want to reflect you in everything that we do. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us today. Make sure that if you have questions or if you just need prayer, please click that prayer button. Let our host talk with you this morning. We love you. We're proud to have you as part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again. Have a great week.